my guy, my guy sends me more fake shit with this Woj account. <laughs> and I always like, he goes, do we got a, do we got a drug test trend or what? <laughs> oh, good. Welcome to Rogue Bows, another edition of the Basketball Series. Myself, Mike Procopio, live from Dallas. A lot to get through. A lot of news in this last been two and a half, three weeks. Probably our biggest hiatus. Pro was fuming at the fact that you had to wait two and a half weeks to get on another episode. But a lot, a it's lot actually to get a through. Quick, it's actually a quick turnover, by the way. So that's good. I'm glad. <laughs> Go on vacation more. We're back. We're back. We're back every two weeks now. We'll get more consistent. But uh, a lot going on. A lot to get through. We'll start with our, as per usual, Team of the Weeks, and I'm going to go first, take the pressure off pro, but uh, I'm going to go with the Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, they've been playing really well as of late. They were one of my teams that I picked to be, uh, I think I picked them fourth and they're fourth right now. I thought they'd scrape in in that fourth spot. They had a lot of momentum last season. They started shitty. Uh, they, were, they were at one point playing territory uh, below 500, but they've t really turned on the Jets right now. They've won seven straight. They're 25 and 15. They're sitting pretty uh, in the Eastern Conference, they're, they're one game above the Knicks and they're a couple of games outside of the, the top six, which obviously gets you a guaranteed bid to the playoffs. But playing well, playing together, length, size, athleticism, they're a young team, so they're going to have their road bumps. But I just thought the growth of them last season coming into this season with another year under their belt with Mobley and, and a bunch of the young guys, Allen's been playing better for them in that big spot and, and Mitchell, that they would put it all together, and they have. Garland's been playing well as well, so... Um, Credit to them, fourth, playing well. Yeah, they've had a bunch of injuries too, Bogues. Like Mobley's been out. I think he's out the rest of the year, if I'm not mistaken. Is he really? I didn't see and that. Then, yeah, and then Garland's been out for a while um, with, I want to say like a knee issue. Trent could probably check that, but they've been playing really, really well. Like, So Donovan Mitchell's been playing great. Struess has been playing well. Um, Georges Nyang had like 33 the other night. Like they play hard and I, I, you know, Jared Allen playing out of his mind, Kristen Thompson gets regular minutes. I mean, it's a, yeah. it's a pretty interesting deal. Yeah, definitely. You know? Definitely. Dude, like, yeah. Think, folks, think about this. I've never seen this happen. Tristan Thompson was breaking down games for ESPN like <laughs> two years ago. And the guy's playing rotation minutes for a team that's, Top four in the East. It's crazy. I've never, ever seen it. Like, usually, you know, you, know, you would think that, all right, he's done, da, 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 and boom, 12 minutes a game. But, you know, Donovan's been playing really, really well. But they, look, they move the ball. Karis LeVert comes in, gives him great minutes. Okoro gives him minutes. Georges Nyang, you know, gives him some solid minutes, too. They, they've been playing well. J.V. Bickerstaff, man, he's been around forever, you know. Took over, like, a million bad jobs and, you know, it's hard to get some footing and then, you know, gets his footing here and they sort of play that smash mouth basketball with, you know, with Mitch, you know, Mitchell and Allen and, and those guys. They're, they're pretty fun. They're a pretty fun team to watch. Garland is expected, should be back. Uh, he yeah. was out on the 15th of December with a, with a fractured jaw. So he, he, he's back. He should be, I think he played, I'm pretty sure he played the last couple of games, but anyway, I'll double check that. Mobley, yes, mm -hmm. six to eight weeks, knee surgery as of the middle of December. So okay. he might scrape back. In so the, he should be back. Yeah, he should be back by post-deadline maybe. Um, so, but the fact that they're holding steady with the guys out, different guys stepping up, 
Um, they could have easily went the other way like a few other teams when they have a few injuries. So credit to them. Who do you have this week? All right. So I was going to go Cle- – well, first of all, I had Cleveland. I don't want to do same. I was going to do Clippers because they're playing great. Then Trent talks me out of it. Not talks me out of it, but made up a great point. How about the Utah Jazz? And you know what? Utah Jazz. Um, like team that everyone think, thought they were going to tank and they were going to do this and that. They're steady at right now. I think they're at nine. I think they're 22 and 22. But, man, they are a fun team to watch. First of all, you know, they, they got a great coaching staff, one of the, you know, one of the better young coaches in the league and but they just play hard like you know obviously marketing's their main guy but like jordan clarkson comes in and does his thing kenyatta george you know um you know rookie you know rookies play really well for them averaging like 10 and 4 but they just come in they play hard walker kessler shot blocker not a huge john collins fan but he plays you know they 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 come together and i checked it because I texted Ainge actually a couple of weeks ago to see if this guy was in my bloodline. One of my favorite players, Bogues, Simone Fontecchio. Oh, Fontecchio, Fontecchio. Italian. Yeah, from Italy. I love the guy. Like, long arm. First of all, he might be the first Italian with long arms in the last 300 years. <laughs> like, the guy's got length. He's got got a little shit to his game. He's good. He could shoot. And uh, he, he's pretty cool. But they play hard, man. I, I, I enjoy watching them. Like I said, one of the better young coaches in the league. You know, they play hard. They go at you. They got shot blocking. Atlantic comes in, does his thing. You know, they're, they're, they're pretty cool to watch. Have you seen that much, folks? I actually caught the game. I think it was the Lakers. No, sorry, Houston last night. I saw that game, a little bit of that game, checked in to just see how those two teams were going. But, yeah, they they, they don't – yeah, they just they just go out. Yeah, they don't have a – I don't think they have a specific – I mean, Markkinen's obviously their gunner offensively, but they yep. – they have numerous different guys they can go to. One guy's having a quiet night. They, they go to their bench. I think they have a good mix of youth um, and athleticism and length, and they just they just play a kind of a helter-skelter type of ball. Like They do get after you. They're, they're, they're young guards, pick up full court. They try to turn you over. Um, they've got a bit of, bit of oomph to them as well. They go at you face-to-face. Uh, so it, right. it's been it's they were I think at one point they were thirteenth I think in the league you know and oh look, yeah look they were they were they were going down so yeah their last sure. you know they're seven and three in their last ten and twenty two and twenty two at five hundred sitting in ninth so above the Lakers which are you know is a whole other whole separate issue they continue to <laughs> to uh, underperform but um, yeah I think the Utah Jazz they're probably been, they're pretty well coached as well he does a pretty good job down there and. Um, really good fan base. So I'd be interested to see if they can continue this form and maybe sneak into a plane and maybe cause a surprise. But uh, we'll see how that goes. All right. Uh, my weak team of the period, uh, I go to the Sacramento Kings. Um, they they are struggling. Um, our guy, Harrison Barnes, on the hot seat, um, involved in numerous trade rumors. Siakam was one of them that's now gone off the table. He's probably had a really bad month or two, probably the, probably the worst month or two he's had in a long, long time pro. Uh, his number's not great, not shooting the ball well. Um, it just seems like nothing's coming easy right now. He's in one of those ruts, and we all go through them. We all go through periods in our career where we have, you know, I always talk about don't let a bad week turn into two weeks, don't let a bad month turn into two months, and I think he's in that little well right now and trying to dig himself out. He's, mm-hmm. As we know, he's the utmost professional as far as doing what he needs to do. He's not a guy that will just now go home and cry and not not do his extra work and shots. And then I can guarantee you he's in the gym getting shots up. He's doing his cold tub. He's doing his extra rehab stuff. He's in the weight room, but it's just not coming together. But 
My thing is, you know, the, the, the Kings are still in seven, so you might say, okay, what's a big deal? But they've lost four straight. They're four and six in their last ten. But it's the way they've lost games, pro. Um, I don't know if you saw that Phoenix game where KD went crazy, um, but they were they were up by 15 in the fourth quarter, full control of the game, absolutely dominating Phoenix, and they just found a way to lose. And they've done that numerous times over the course of the last month. And we talk about, uh, you know, Usually, younger teams will find will, will give you will give an excuse to lose or find a way to lose. Up twenty, they'll find a way to lose. This isn't a really a young team anymore. They got a bunch of veterans, um, a bunch of young stars, but they're they're starting to learn how to find a way to lose, and that's a dangerous accommodation. I know Mike Brown's a pretty good coach, and he's going to get after him, but they've been they've been pretty disappointing, and it just has not fit. Um, as we thought it would have coming off last season where they made a huge surge. They're still in the mix. It's not at the end of the world, 23 and 18. Um, they're not going to fall to a plane, I don't think. I mean, they're, they're three three full games ahead of 11th. But if they don't start finding a little bit of form, um, they could find themselves you know, down the bottom end of that plane, 8, 9, 10, and then all of a sudden you might get Dallas or Phoenix or a young, hungry Utah Jazz in that in that plane, which you don't want to face, but they're they're my team that has really struggled lately. Bogues, they are they are in a little bit of a rut. You know, I think last year taking the, the league by storm for sure and, and doing what they were doing. And you know, like you said, sometimes it just if it, it, it snowballs into one game, two games, five games, seven games, and and you just find this rut, and you got to sort of. And that's why I think routines are so important in the NBA to sort of get you back to zero to compete. And you're going to go through shooting slumps. You're going to go through defensive ruts. And, you know, look, they've got a good team on paper, you know, for what they have. Obviously, Fox and Sabonis and Keegan Murray and, you know, Hurd is up and down. Malik Monk has had some great games off the bench and given them a lot of energy and, and, and things. Um, I think Vizen, uh, Vizenkov, the kid that got the EuroLeague MVP, has been a little bit of a disappointment in the learning curve of NBA athleticism and dealing with what he's got to deal with on a nightly basis. So, yeah, it, it just snowballs, man. Um, it, it just snowballs into into rough nights and rough weeks. And look, man, I, I mean, they're still. I mean, they're still very much in in things, but it's just you know, right now they're eighth. They're sort of you know teetering. You know, they're only they're a couple of you know, two and a half above Utah, and you know, tied with Phoenix. But I, there's not really an uptick right now, and they got to find a second gear. They got to find, hey, look, we're in this rut. Let's get it back together. We're a good enough team. I mean, look, if you th- if you look at it up top, you know, there's no way they're going to get over a Minnesota, Oklahoma City, Denver, Clippers are, are soaring. But right now they could battle with, you know, Phoenix and Dallas, probably more Dallas than anything. Um, maybe New Orleans will take a, a, a downtick in what they're doing. But, yeah, they're just in it. They're in a rut and they got to figure things out. Like I, I know Harrison has been mentioned in some trades and stuff. Yeah, they're probably not going to move Fox. They're probably not going to move Sabonis. Uh, I know they really like Murray. I would assume that Harrison and Herter would be, you know, even Monk would be guys that maybe they'll try to upgrade their roster and try to trade. I like Harrison. I would keep him because he's a solid player. He's a guy that's a good fourth option that could be, that could step up every four or five games. He could have a really good game for you. But yeah, they're, they're really, they're really struggling and you just gotta, you know, they gotta man up on it. Agree. Who do you have? Bogues, I got the Golden State Warriors, brother. I mean, it's easy to give it to Washington or one of these teams that are really Detroit are really bad. But, you know, to me, to me, it's Golden State. I mean, 
you know, it's like everybody shits on him. I get it. Like underachieving the the whole dynasty stuff is over, but you know, they got to find you talking about finding ways to lose. They've just been struggling, man. And, you know, it's been season long, but now, you know, look, Chris Paul's out and, you know, but you know, Draymond suspension thing, but still like you got enough talent to win games and, I don't watch them enough. I watch them. I watch them, but I don't watch them every day and every game. But, you know, Wiggins has been such a disappointment. The whole green thing, obviously. Clay, you know, Clay's been really under par since, you know, for for most of the year, although he's he's had some moments that are decent. But, you know, Kaminga's been very disappointing. I got to hear about him bitching about Steve Kerr's not the coach for him. And, you know, that's, you know, if a really good player said that, I would have a little bit of, you know, all right, maybe it's true. But when you have a guy who's been inconsistent his whole career on work ethic and playing hard and playing with heart and all that stuff, you know, I don't know. That's a little bit of drama there. But it'll be interesting what they do in the next month, Bogues, with trade deadline, if they can move guys. Problem is, I don't think they have much value. Like, I don't think Clay gets you a lot. Green gets you almost nothing, you know. If you trade Kaminga, you'll get something. Paul's worthless on the trade market. You're not trading Steph, you know. So they, there's not really a lot of moves, in my opinion, that they can make. I think if you trade Draymond, if you if you deal Draymond, you're just gonna get, you know, you're gonna get some salaries, and you might get a vet that's okay, or a couple of players that are decent, but you're not getting anything. And you know, I just don't, I don't see where they're going from here. And yeah, it's interesting you bring. Kaminga thing up. I mean, that happened like literally an hour after we finished that last pod. Uh, what do we good to talk about? Yeah. We can talk about it now, but you just, you know, there's a lot of people in Golden State and a lot of fans that are split on Steve Kerr and saying, well, you know, he should be developing the younger guys and playing the younger guys. And I don't think you get that last championship if you do that. Um, it's, it's kind of a, it's such a hard art form to develop young guys but also try to win games at the same time. Not many teams can do that. OKC couldn't do it early on. They had to tank. Philly did the same thing. Um, so what's interesting is I see these fans saying, well, Steve hasn't developed the young guys. Well, it's like, okay, after that bad year they had um, before the last championship of that year where they won 20 games, would that have been a year to blow it up and develop the young guys? You don't get that championship the next year. So – Yes, I think that they're not in that position now. Looking back, like they still had a lot of good pieces. Andre was still playing. They they made the Wiggins trade, and um, it all worked out. They're probably in a worse situation now, roster wise. But do you then? What do you say? Okay, you know, Kaminga's a guy that that super athletic, um, can get his nose you know above the rim, but he's he's a guy that needs a ball in his hands. He's a he's a on. You know, let me get in my bag, guy. Give me the ball. Well, you got Steph Curry right next to you. You're not taking his touches. Clay's still Clay, regardless. Now there's an argument saying that you know should Clay have less usage and less touches? Maybe, but then he's not Clay anymore. Um, even if he he's not shooting the ball well, you need him to be aggressive. So and then you got CP3 off the bench, who's a big playmaker and he has a ball in his hands. Where do you think you're going to fit in, Kaminga? To me, it's you can find a lot of easy baskets in that system just by cutting and hitting the O-boards, if you feel like you're getting the rough end of the stick of like, oh, I'm not getting touches, Steve won't run shit for me, I can't get in my bag, go and find it yourself. I know for a fact playing with Steph and Clay and these guys, you're going to get two to three easy looks, like literally catch the ball and put in the basket looks a game because the defense is so attuned to try and stop them. And uh, I think Kaminga is just a bad fit for that roster with those guys. Now, 
all those people that say it's time to develop the young guys, well, then the discussion needs to be had. Do you move off Steph, Clay, Draymond, start developing your young guys? Because that's – Kaminga needs a ball in his hands. That's the kind of player that he is. Um, so it's always interesting just listening to – I've got I've got some friends that are still over there and some people in the media that are, that are pro-Steve and anti-Steve, anti and I'm talking to all of them just saying like, well, then, you know, if you're, if you're heavily against what's going on, you don't get that last championship. You know, so you you know, there's a lot of sport fans in the Bay Area. I'm, I'm looking at it like you've had four championships in ten years, and everyone's losing their losing their fucking minds over there. You're gonna have bad years. You know, you you give you get two chips in a decade. You've 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 you're batting above average. You're doing really well. And most talk to the Detroit Pistons, talk to the New Orleans Pelicans, talk to some of these teams, Sacramento Kings. They will say, I'll take one championship in the next decade to have three or four shitty years. So you got to take that with a grain of salt with Golden State Warriors and, and and they're so used to winning and being on that pedestal that I think it's kind of blinded a lot of them. It's not as easy as that, bro. Well, it's hard, Bogues. It's, for me, I don't look at Kerr as a development coach. I don't think Kerr is a guy that's going to make young players better. What I think he is, because look, even the really good players didn't really develop under him. They won under him, right? Like I think Mark Jackson really did. And, and I'm not saying Mark did it. Could have been a staff, what have you. But like, you know, Steph Clay, Draymond sort of took their licks early in their career doing that. And then they were ready to go. And then Kerr is one of those Phil Jackson types, in my opinion, that look, no coach, I don't care who you are in the league. If you don't have talent, you're not going to win. Or if you got injuries, you're not going to win. But with Kerr, Kerr took them over the edge as far as getting them focused, doing what they're supposed to do and sort of taking them from a contender to a championship level team. Now, you know, that's where I see him. And young guys, it's hard to develop in a really good team because you got a really good team you're not going to play. Ask Darko Milicic when they drafted him in Detroit and things like that. Even really high draft picks, it's really hard to get in games. Now, where they really screwed up, in my opinion, is draft lately. You know, I think Bob Myers did a really good job early, you know, obviously with, you know, with Clay and Draymond and, and, and the Steph Curry deal. I don't know if, I think he was there with the, with the Steph Curry draft. I'm almost positive. If I'm not, I'm, I'm mistaken. But where they really messed up is Wiseman draft, drafted Wiseman. You know, look, you're always going to make mistakes in this thing. And, and it's easy to be a Monday morning quarterback, but when you have an a, a dynasty that's getting older and, and you know that you got to continue to like what San Antonio did with Kawhi Leonard making that trade you know on draft day to get him and then you know rearranging the you know uh, the roster and keeping their main guys intact that's that's sort of how do you do it with dynasties you, you you're gonna mess up drafts in 26 28 30 30th pick but not taking either Ball or Halliburton over Wiseman right there really set them back because then you traded off Wiseman for nothing, right? And now Kaminga, there's not really a lot of guys you could have drafted over Kaminga. Probably Franz Wagner was probably the other guy that, that that's a lot better than Kaminga that they got drafted the next pick. But that's like when you're drafting in the top five, top 10, you really can't make those big mistakes. And I think that like you do differently in the draft. Now we're talking about a, a different conversation. I'm not really putting it all on management and all on Kerr. Look, like you said, you made great points. What do you want to do? Do you want to blow the thing up over what? Like, what are you going to blow the thing up for? You know, back a couple of years ago, like, you know, Kaminga, there's always minutes to be played in a great team. You're always going to blow teams out. 
You're going to probably have back-to-backs where your older guys aren't going to play. There's plenty of time for Kaminga to develop. You don't you don't develop in the NBA by just shooting jump shots with some development coach at 10 o'clock at night. You do it by getting NBA minutes. You figure it out. And he's had plenty of opportunity, plenty of opportunity to be a consistent player. And now it's time when these guys are getting hurt or suspended, it's time for you to step up. And he's had a couple of games that you, you look at while Kaminga's doing all right. I guarantee you, you watch the film, you watch the games, there's a lot more games where he didn't, he didn't, you know, he hasn't stepped up and he hasn't done what he's going to do. Look, it's over. There's no turning back from this. It's, it is what it is. I saw it with the Celtics. I saw it with the Spurs. You see it with different teams that go through, you know, multiple championships. It's just they don't, they can't really get it done anymore. And that's what it is. In my opinion, you keep Curry. You keep him, you know, and you just keep him there. And I keep him there as long as he wants to be there. But saying, look, we're probably going to have to, you know, rebuild this thing, you know, going forward because, or it, or you guys, guys are just going to get old and there's nothing we can do. Like Clay and Draymond, you might be able to get a little something. Wiggins, you won't be able to get anything really for. You, you play Kaminga, you, you try to, there's not really any salary cap to really sign free agents, but. They are what they are, Bogues, and I think they're they're going to be struggling. And I think it's just time to keep Steph and just wipe everything else out and just try to get what you can get. Yeah, and like I said, four chips in 10 years. So that's the the penalty you pay is you get longevity. But now you're going to have some down years, Golden State Warriors fans, um, whether that's post-Steph or they, wherever they move. But I think the next decade is going to be a little bit rougher. You just you can't – you know, people are – just silly thinking you're going to replicate what you did the last 10 years into now, especially Steph moving out of his prime, Clay, Clay with the injury stuff and and Draymond and all that. That dynasty window is slowly closing and it happens to everyone. You know, um, a lot of people thought it closed after the third chip. They managed to squeeze a fourth one out, but it happened to the Chicago Bulls. It happened to the Los Angeles Lakers and it's hard to talk about. And But, you know, you'd like to see Steph retire a Golden State Warrior and I think he's, he's very capable of doing that just based on the fact that even when he slows down from a ball usage point of view, you can still have him on the court as a shooter because he shoots the ball so well. So I think he's one of those unique talents that could play into his late thirties, if, if not forty. Um, but obviously not on a high, not not high minute level of 30, 35 minutes. So we'll, we'll watch that space and see how it goes. And on a more somber note, we um, you know wish the best today on Milojevic and his family and and everyone around him and um, the Warriors assistant coach tragically passed away uh, last week, uh, 46 years old, um, gruesome circumstances as far as reportedly collapsing in a, you know, at a team dinner, going down, having a heart attack, carrying him out of there and then passing on, uh, passing away later on. Um, just, just brutal. I've never been a part of anything like that. Um, but I can imagine players and, Coaches and everyone, you know, they they end up postponing the game. It was in Utah, I believe, was it pro? I think two um, games. Yeah, mul- multiple. I multiple think multiple games, which is the right decision. I mean, it's 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 one thing someone passing away, but when you see it in what's supposed to be a happy kind of team dinner type atmosphere, and it's 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 tough. And 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 everyone has a lot of good things to say. He was, you know. Nikola Jokic's mentor, former player in Serbia, a very good player, might I add, um, in, his, in his native Serbia. And a lot of people, I haven't dealt with him a lot. I don't think you have neither, but a lot of people have good things. You don't hear a lot of negative um, and just just tragic. And it just shows you, you know, we spoke about it off air, how, you know, brutal the NBA life can be as well. You know, um, he's only 46, but the travel, being on a plane all day, the you know, cabin pressure up and down, 
on the road, not away from your family. A lot of times diet isn't great because you're just helter-skelter and a lot of assistant coaches absolutely work their, their balls off because they're cutting film and, oh, give me this clip from head coach. I need this. I need that. Go do this. And that's a lot, what a lot of people don't see. They just see, oh, it's an NBA assistant coach. He's, he's got it made. Uh, they do work very, very hard. So um, wish all the best to his family, Pro, and I don't know if you want to touch on any of that um, as we move on. Just a brutal it, – it is it is brutal. Like you think that it, it's easy street. And then, look, a lot of the NBA is cool. You stay in great hotels and your travel is awesome. You get, be around the best players in the league and, but in the world. But, you know, it is brutal. You're away from your family. You're constantly flying. You're constantly in meetings and, you know, working out players or cutting up film. Look, I don't, I don't think they burn the midnight oil, you know, uh, in front of the bench in Golden State, but I'm sure those guys behind the bench and doing what they got to do, they, they got to cut it up. They got to cut film. It's long hours. Look, the diet is, you know, as good as the food could be on the plane, you're still eating, still eating at odd hours. You're getting up early. The, the sleep pattern's off. Then you got to spend time with your family if you have one when you get home and doing all that. The pressures of winning, they're losing. So it's it's probably, you know, even if you're not one of those guys that live and die by every win or loss, it's still it's still on you. You know, there's a, there's a lot of scrutiny in the team. And it just, it really come center stage. I don't know if he had any health issues. I don't know him. Everybody I spoke to, I probably spoke to 20 people in the NBA since the since his tragic passing and everyone had great words to say. He's always upbeat. Uh, players loved him, lo- loved being around him and um, put a lot of work into it. So yeah, I, I wish the best for him and his family and, and you know, Golden State. It's uh, it's tragic. And, and for those players and staff to be around that, it's different if he passed away at home, but like to a guy that you travel with and look, you have that travel party. I don't, you know, obviously the travel parties are getting bigger and bigger in the NBA, but you get 60 or 70 people that you travel with on all these dates. You're on planes together, buses together, you know, all the you know, functions together, meals together. And now to have that travel tragically pass in front of everybody, or at least the, the act, you know, the, the heart attack happened in front of everyone. That's gotta, that's gotta hurt, man. That's gotta affect you psychologically, physically. And, you know, just understand how precious life is. It's a, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's a rough, it's a rough deal for sure. Yeah, and how, how quickly it can all happen. Uh, we all, we've all had someone in our lives has passed away, and it just makes you kind of reflect on enjoying the now and and, and having a good time now uh, while you're here and with people that you love. So, all right, moving on. Uh, tr- there was a trade last week. Pascal Siakam um, has gone to Indiana. Uh, a trade that sent Bruce Brown, Jordan Wara three first-round picks to the Toronto Raptors. The Raptors, of course, making another trade before that with the New York Knicks, which we spoke about last time. Um, but there were a few teams poking around on Siakam. The Pacers kind of came in late, swooped in. Um, but I think, you know, the the, the Raptors are kind of moving, moving into a, a development rebuild phase. They've got some good pieces within their rebuild, some young stars, you know, quickly and Barrett and whatnot. Um and the Pacers, hopefully, look, I would have liked them to address a little bit of defense uh, in Indiana if they could have. <laughs> um, they have. They've just traded and doubled down for more offense and gotten rid of one of their best perimeter defenders in Bruce Brown, which I found interesting, considering that Carlisle's been yelling and screaming that they don't guard anyone. Um, well, Siakam's not very good not a very good defender. I don't think he buys in too much to that end. I think he's much more of an offensive guy. So interesting to see they might go from averaging one fifty to one sixty now, but they might be giving up one seventy. But they um 
They're running a high pace. I think he's a perfect fit for their offense um, in the way he can get to the hole. They can play small ball lineups with him. So I like the move from that aspect, but I would like to see them shore up defensively a little bit. Maybe they find something in the um, the buyout market or closer to the deadline and bring in maybe a perimeter stopper. But I just, as I said, I like the Indiana pace in the regular season. I think in a seven-game series, you got to have a few dogs that can defend and they don't have any at the moment. So hopefully they find something if they, if they think they're going to get through a playoff series. Playing that style, I don't see it. But uh, what do you think about the trade, bro? Folks, it's really hard in this league to get to acquire great talent. And I'm not saying Siakam's a great talent, but he's probably somebody in the top 30, 35 in the league. Um, I think that, look, Indiana's one of those towns that are like Sacramento or, or, or somewhere like that where, you know, no one really wants to go to Indiana as far as an elite player. You know, elite players are going to go to other other markets. They're going to go to bigger markets, teams that are built to win now. So for Indiana, you you only acquire talent in this league by drafting it, trading for it, or developing it. And, you know, they're not going to draft high enough to draft an elite player, a great player. They're not going to – they have limited assets that they could have that, that they want to trade out. Halliburton's one guy they would keep. they got decent young players. But to be able to acquire a player in the top 30 for them and put them with Halliburton, uh, you know, Siakam, in my opinion, is not a number two, but he could be a good number three. But I think you have to try to do what you can do. Those young players they have aren't going to get better short enough period of time to make any type of playoff run. I'm not saying Siaka makes him do that, but he definitely upgrades the overall talent they have and having another guy they can go to. The way they play, they're up-tempo. They want to score. Look, they don't want to guard. They, you could talk about wanting to guard all you want. They want to go up and down, and they want to score. If you could score at the elite, you know, at the elite level, they're doing it out. Even though defense does hurt you, you know, you want to complain about it, you're not going to give up offense for defense because then you can't make enough moves that's going to make them a really good defensive team. Siakam's a rim runner. He gives you energy. Um, he's not all that skilled. He doesn't really shoot the ball like that. Um, he plays a little bit in the post. You know, he, he has the ball in his hands a lot, but he runs. And I think with Halliburton, you know, doing what he can do, passing the ball, their up-tempo style, I think he fits what they need. And he's somebody who could score points for him. He could take pressure a little bit off Halliburton to be a scorer. You know, they, they still got, you know, Matherin, they got healed and Naismith's been playing well. You know, they got guys that can play, but I think they, he gives them energy, but he's another guy. If they could resign him long term and now you've got Halliburton and Siakam going forward, I think it, it at least gives you some stability of having that talent because. You know, look, you're in Indiana. Again, not a lot of, until they're a number one, number two team in the East, like a Milwaukee was years ago. You know, no one really wanted to go to Milwaukee either unless you got drafted there or you were a B level free agent that got overpaid. And that's what Indiana's in until you can make that leap into a top two team in the East. Then free agents want to come and, and people want to get there until you do that. And this puts them in the best possible situation to do that, at least going forward to see what they got in Siakam and Halliburton. Now, Siakam's a little older for sure, like I think 29 or so. Um, you know, so you only got a couple of years where he could be like where he's going to give you his quote unquote elite years. So you got a couple of years to figure this out. If not, you could always trade him for value. You could always get something back, even if you re-sign him. But you know, I think you, I think you figure it out. I like what they did. 
you know, those three first round picks weren't going to develop into a lot. You know, I think that Toronto getting those picks, you got Bruce Brown, you could probably move Bruce Brown for something else. And now you're, you're in full rebuild mode. I think for Toronto, it sort of makes sense. For Indiana, I think that's a move they have to make because I don't, I don't think they would have got it done with a lot of other trade people. Uh, they've been asked for Siakam the last 10 or 12 days before the trade. You know, there was rumor that they really liked him. And so they, they, they took a chance. Bruce Brown, like you said, is a big defender. They don't really have that, you know, to, to replace. But again, they're an offensive team. They're not a defensive team, you know, and I think that getting another guy that can rim run and do what he can do, you know, puts him in a decent spot. I don't see them winning in the playoffs, but I think in the regular season, they could, you know, they could battle for that four or five spot in the East. Agree with that. We'll watch that space and see how that all fits in. Um, they got their first win the other night. So, Moving on, former NBA referee Ken Maurer is suing the NBA. I don't know if you saw this, Pro, but um, he was one of three former NBA referees um, that was stood down during the COVID-19 vaccination mandate, despite requesting religious or medical exemptions. Now, he is quoted as saying that um, the NBA, uh, we took part in a 30-minute interview, a Jewish lawyer from the NBA office interviewed all of us for all but 30 minutes, all of about 30 minutes. And I guess he determined if we were religious or not. That to me is ridiculous, asking us questions that didn't even pertain to our religion. So obviously he applied for, he's a devout Catholic, I believe. Uh, they rejected it. They fired him. 2,000 games in the NBA refereed, 25 plus years. And apparently they've squashed his pension with this pro. Um, which is pretty interesting and pretty, I think that's pretty low. Um, I'm not sure he's, if he's a referee 25 plus years, I don't know how he, how the hell he loses his pension. Cause surely I know the NBA pensions 10 year, 10 year max out. Maybe the referees is 30. I don't know, but they've squashed his pension. I, I think it's deplorable. Um, I think the van, everyone knows where I stand on the mandate. Don't have to go into that, but I, I was strongly against mandates of, you know, all forms of life when it came to the vaccination stuff. But now, after the fact, knowing what we know with everything that happened with COVID and, and did the vaccines do what they were supposed to do, I don't believe they did. The more and more stuff you read and the more and more stuff that comes out, they still have not allowed him back in the league. I think that ship sailed. Obviously, now they're in court. But I, I think it's pretty poor from the NBA's point of view that you've got a referee. And and, and I've had I've, I've had a lot of dealings with Ken Mao, and I always found him to be one of the better officials to talk to, very respectful, Um had a firm line. Like if you went over the line, you got a T. He wasn't a Joey Crawford by any means, but he would actually engage with you and be like, oh, I might, I might have missed that one. You know, I remember having a great conversation with him numerous times and I enjoyed him as a ref. But to, to, for the NBA to not only turf him, uh, that's one argument, but to actually get rid of his pension along the way um, and not honor that, I think is pretty poor, bro. Yeah, look, the NBA could – for one, you know, one course or another, could do what they want to do with their with the vaccination stuff. And I get it. Wherever they stand, right, wrong, or indifferent, that's their right to do whatever. But Ken Maurer was a guy, you know, a referee that was very well respected. Did his job. You didn't really hear from much from him. He wasn't really a big. You know, you got a lot of these eye guys that are really narcissistic. I guess you got to be a little bit narcissistic to be an NBA referee. But he was, you know, he he was fair. He dealt well with the players. Um, the pension thing does definitely bothers me. Everything else, hey, look, if you want to, if you have your mandates that you say, look, you got to be able to, you know, you have to take it to to work on a league. If that's the way they want to go with it, that's great. That's 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 their right. But to take a guy's pension away, now again, I I, I didn't read into why they did it. Like, was there something else that happened? 
you know, because if you get fired, you usually have your pension. You have to do something really like break, you know, federal rules, be, you know, you know, felony, da da da, like to to get your pension taken away. I'd be interested to see what the actual reason was for getting the pension taken away. But I mean, look, the guy works countless years in the NBA, well respected, building up a career, building up money that he, you know, that he sort of invested into the system and and, and whatnot, and. And, you know, with the years that he spent in the NBA, all those long trips and, you know, long seasons away from family and and represented the league pretty well. You know, obviously, you know, they disagreed on that with the with the mandates. But, yeah, it is disappointing to see someone you know, that worked that long, that was that good and did the, you know, did the job for the right reasons sort of get his pension taken away. That's, that's unfortunate, man. Yeah, not good. I uh, saw that one and thought we put it in. But, yeah, I wish all the best to him. I hope he wins the court case and gets a nice little payout from the NBA um, and he can move on with his life. Uh, Josh Giddy uh, officially will not be charged with, uh, you know, the, the allegations that were put forward mainly by social media and the people out there um, that he was, he was interacting with an underage girl. We still don't know. The details, other than he was investigated um, by police, police have then said that the female in question and the family will absolutely not cooperate with police officials. So that's where that dies. That has now been squashed. The NBA's reportedly investigating. Um, I think that is fluff. I don't think the NBA has a leg to stand on if you know you you are not criminally charged now. Put the case aside, whether you agree with the findings um, by, you know, all, all the verdict the police are saying that we there's no investigation, the giddy thing, is it borderline? That's a whole different discussion. The NBA investigating this I think is just fluff because you, you, you have a huge issue with the Players Association. If the NBA was to do their own investigation and say, well, we think you did wrong when you haven't been formally charged or criminally convicted, pretty hard league to stand on. So I don't, I don't buy into the NBA investigation stuff pro, but – I think for Josh's sake, it's good in a way to put this, have some sort of closure on this and move on. You get on with your basketball career, right or wrong. Like I said, that's people have their different opinions on it. Um, from what we believe or what I believe was that there was there was some lies throughout within this. With the age, there were some people saying, well, you should have known anyway. I'm not going to get into all that. But for his sake and his career, he can now move on. He's getting absolutely ostracized in every arena he goes to. He's getting booed everywhere he goes. I think give it a six months to a year. Uh, I think everyone will forget about it and we can move on. But as far as the criminal case, it is what it is. Let's not forget there's been numerous athletes that have gone through similar type things, if not worse, that within six months to a year, um, people forget and move on about. That's just the, the, rea- the reality of the world that we live in. But um, as far as his career and, and everything going on, he can now somewhat move on from it and, and focus on basketball. Yeah, it's it's like anything else, Bogues. A lot of players, you know, they learn early in their career about, you know, they, they get some hard lessons. You know, Paul Pierce had a hard lesson about, you know, getting stabbed repeatedly, being in the wrong place, wrong time, going on at night. Um, you know, there are people with sexual stuff that happens in the league. It is what it is. And it's it sucks. He, he went through it. Um yeah, it's just something that he learns from. He knows going forward now he's got to do a little bit more investigative work when he when he goes to, you know, have relations with with, you know, with a girl or what have you. But like you said, it'll last six months, nine months, maybe, you know, a year and a half, but it'll it'll go. But it did teach him a lesson that look, 
Now you got to be a little bit more careful what you do. You're definitely under scrutiny. And with the NBA, look, you know, they're probably trying to save face a little bit with public saying, you know, that even though that he's, you know, the, the case was dropped, I'm sure a lot of people want to see him, you know, tried and convicted and going to jail or, or, or banned from the NBA or what have you. So they're probably doing a little bit of, you know, sort of service to them by saying, well, we're going to investigate. But like you said, it's going to die down and die out. But, you know, you know how, you know, name conscience the NBA is with, with deal or big organizations are with this stuff. So, yeah. Hey, he can get, he can get on with it. And, you know, he, well, my thing is he didn't rape anybody like forcefully. He didn't beat up anybody. He didn't beat up a spouse and choke her, you know, choke her almost into death. He didn't do anything like that. It's not the greatest of circumstances that he, that he dealt with, but Hey, look, it's past him. They drop charges. He can move on. You know, the league will probably drop their you know, their case, you know, their investigation, and then, you know, hopefully hopefully he learns from this going forward. Agree. That's the key. That last sentence, hopefully he learns from this going forward um, and kind of tightens his circle and is smart about things um, moving forward because there's there's much more that can happen if you continue to, you know, be, be out and about um, too much. I mean, every, every young young fella deserves to, or young girl deserves to go out and enjoy their youth, but... Um, you know, there's there's definitely some some catches with that, and this was one of them. This is not news you ever want broken, whether it's completely true or not, whether he knew or he didn't. Who knows? Um, but yeah, it's just it's just it's just a pretty poor circumstance for everyone involved, I believe. So hopefully, that's the end of it for anything to do with with Giddy off the floor. I believe it's a pretty big wake up call. Our right, final one: the Clippers have announced their new arena with a passionate and jovial. Steve Barmer, I mean, he's he's absolutely great. I think, um, you know, sports owners, sports teams owners to have this kind of passion and to be, it's over the top at times, but I like it. I like him sitting courtside, pumping his fist. He he feels the stress of the game. They're the owners that you want. Um, gave a press conference talking about the new arena that the Clippers are going to build, I think, ready in 2026, I believe. Um, and notably, Pro, they're going to know which fans cheer. I found this very, very interesting. So... Quote, you get up, we're going to know you stood up, we know that you cheer, we know how loudly you cheer. If you're good on those things, we'll give you a little discount around the shop. So <laughs> I have a little IP around this with Squad 6 Pro. I uh, started a fan section, for those that don't know, uh, back in 2010 in Milwaukee, cold, cold, quiet nights in the old Bradley Center there. Not We'd only be getting 19,000 people in an 18,000-seat arena and ended up buying season tickets for 100 fans, uh, the only catch was you had to cheer and be loud. So it's similar. This is kind of the AI version of that pro. So I want some royalties from Steve Barmer. But, um, you know, I like it. I think it's quirky. It's different. Um, somewhat concerning that they can track every fan's cheering abilities <laughs> in, in an arena of 18,000 people with the way technology is going. They're going to start charging people by – you know the girth of their uh, their 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 bowel movements in arenas maybe soon pro with the technology moving the way it is it's just getting pretty insane with what's going on in the world. Um, but the fact that they can f- figure out who cheered the loudest and say, "Hey, pro, you were cheering very loud last game. We're going to give you a fifty percent off a, a Clippers loyal loyal fan hat." You know, so um, I find it interesting. But uh, you also mentioned you read some stuff about some marijuana rooms. Did you read that, pro? Was that you? Somebody said somebody sent me a text saying that there was um let me just see if I a can smoking find a section or something like that. Here. There was a like way up, like way, 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 way up, like you know, 
back of the building up top where they um there's a marijuana and smoking section in the in the arena and I'm trying to find the text but hold on let me just see if I can look it up real quick do you think Clippers. that having them way up in the arena was a pun for how high they'll be <laughs> <laughs> hold on let me that that's actually pretty good um oh wait a minute wait a minute wait, wait, wait. ESPN sources the Clippers new arena hold on yeah, I think it was fake, folks. I think we all got. Uh, I think I, my guy got duped. No, um, Trent just brought you, something up on Forbes. ESPN sources. That's Clippers, it. Clippers yeah. new arena that, into a dome is planned to have its own twenty-one and older section in the upper bowl that will allow for fans to smoke marijuana or cigarettes. Look, an X account that looks like it belongs. Uh, it is completely fake. Take a okay. closer look at the account sharing this information. It was from an account that looked like. Adrian Wojnowski and those guys that make these. I swear to God, my guy, my guy sends me more fake shit with this Woj account. (laughs) And I always like, he goes, did you read that? Like, did you read that Giannis got traded today? I'm like, hey, asshole, can you fucking read the, uh, the username of Woj? Oh, it's at Woj ESPN. Yeah. No shit. I've got duped before. Yeah, NBA Bro, Central. Guy, There's an NBA Central one as well with like two L's. Uh, <laughs> you dude, read, what the, the fuck? What kills you is uh, some of these accounts have 100,000 followers, so you're like, oh, it's legit. It's got the blue tick. Uh, and you read quickly of a screenshot, and then you really look at it, you're like, fuck. <laughs> hey, morons, all right? I'm fucking 48. I'm, 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 I'm done, right? But I know enough about technology. With Woj, I have it where it's on – like, you know, you you said it where whenever he tweets something, it goes right to your phone. Yeah. And you like, just check that just so you know it's not, it's him or not him. Because I'm fucking tired of it. I don't mind it, but this is the first time I took this shit to this show. And now <laughs> I'm going to have to my, my fucking balls busted by Aussie Bweeball Lover 27 fucking, you know, to busting my fucking balls about it. So yeah, now I'm fucking pissed. And now I'm a little. I'm not even pissed, but now I gotta and I gotta eat shit for a week or two. Yeah, no, it's actually everyone gets well, got, five. and we were one of the few that would meet when we got got. So lucky we did it live on air. and We figured it out. We workshopped it live on the pod. So hope the fans appreciate yeah. it. Um, but yeah, no, that would that would have been it. Would, it makes sense in California though, right? Like it makes sense. You, you know, you would think if it's legal or whatever, you're way up. They, they got. I'm, I'm sure Obama spent like the GDP of a fucking third world country to fucking, you know, to like get some vacuum system that takes all the fucking smoke <laughs> out of the air. It's going to be, I'm sure this building is going to be off the charts with all the bells and whistles they're going to have on it. I've heard nothing but like this thing's epic of what they're building. So I, I'd be really interested it's to always, see how this thing is. It's always epic until they get, they start getting those bills rolling in. Like I remember the, you know, some of the plans the Warriors initially had for their arena changed a little bit as time went on because I think some of the costings of it were were outrageous. So it will be well, interesting, the- but I hope it doesn't take away from the game. That's my thing. Some of these arenas are going so over the top that yeah. it takes away from the game, right? Like there's suites, I believe, in the new arena that are underground at Golden State that, you know. Yeah. Yeah, the wine cellar or something like that. Bathrooms too. are underground for high end, high end uh, ticket holders and stuff. And you're just like, but well, if you're doing that, just stay but home. The- like, the one thing about this guy, Bogues, though, he dwarfs 
probably 98% of the owners as far as wealth yeah. of what he has. So like these other owners, like when I was in Boston first, it was like 32 owners because they, they had to come up with the capital. Golden State, their owners, you know, obviously he's got money, but he doesn't have like this guy's money. I mean, no. this guy's like, yeah, so he Microsoft, could, yeah, he I mean. could do whatever, but it'll be interesting, man. I like the idea about getting the discounts for being allowed because now like you got a bunch of fuck, you know how it is. People sell their soul for, and their children oh, for free T-shirts t or fucking shit, yeah. discounts. T-shirts. T- I hate the T-shirts. We bring it up a I lot, but like, every time it happens, it, I'm just like, these people just act like like it's a $5 T-shirt. They're fucking losing their it's minds. It's fucking a T-shirt. We like I've seen people like knock over children to get yeah, their fucking I told you my T-shirt. Wife got, right? My wife got hit. Yeah, my wife got really messed yeah. up by, by a you know big fat fan that fell over the trying to die for a T-shirt, fell over the row of chairs. As my wife was sitting in her chair and crushed her whole back. And I'm just like. Well, Bogues, for someone know, who's in shape, I really take offense for you uh, going after my people. But in this case, because a jerk off wanted to go after a t shirt, I'm going to give you a pass for today because that it's fucking insane. guy deserves to be fucking. As soon as you say free, in front of a fire as soon as squad. you say free, yeah. <laughs> people will just lose their yeah. minds. But- so that place is going to be rocking yeah. anyway. And if you give some jerk off some fucking 20% off some fucking awful hat that no, you ain't going to sell anyway. And give him a discount on that. Win, hey, win. God bless you. But that place will be loud. Yeah, it'll be good. All right, Aussie of the Week, Dante Exum, still injured. Uh, right heel injury, January 1st. Uh, reportedly went through some non-contact uh, work during Friday's practice last week, but wasn't able to fully participate. So he'll still be on the mend a little bit, and it will be out for a little while. Um, Josh Green, Eight and a half, sorry, 8.8 points, four rebounds, 2.2 assists, six for 14 from three. Joe Ingles, 7.5 points a game, 1.3 rebounds, 4.1 assists, one steal per game, 12 for 26 from three. So probably a better a better uh, month for, for Joe since coming back from injury. I think he's starting to find a little bit of a flow off that bench for Orlando, and they're, they're playing still up and down a little bit. They've got a bunch of injuries, but they're playing better. Jock Landale, uh, three points, two rebounds, garbage minutes. Um, not cracking the rotation unless it's a, a blowout at the moment. He's really fallen out of out of stead there in Houston, just not fitting in. Jeff Green's taking the bulk of those minutes as the primary backup big. So we're just going to see how that plays out over the next year. People forget Jock did sign a four-year, $32 million deal, but it is really a one-year deal. They're all team options. That it's not a four-year deal. He's he's got to treat it mentally as a he's a free agent into this season. Um, considering that he's not playing much, highly unlikely Houston picked that option up now. Uh, so interesting to see what's going on with Jock, and I'd I'd watch that name around trade deadline. I mean, he he proved that he could be a pretty valuable asset. Got you know he didn't stop Jokic, but he he made him work in that series, and I think that's where his name got out a little bit as a good backup big. Maybe a team in the West looks at that during trade deadline that's in the mix in the West and says, all right, we'll bring you in as a backup big when we face that big Serbian in, in a playoff series. Maybe even Phoenix, you know, who knows? Um, could end up back there if they buy him out and he moves on. Who, know, who knows what's going to happen? But I'd watch that space because it doesn't seem like it's fitting well. Paddy Mills has cracked the rotation for the first time in um, his Atlanta Hawks career. He's, he's played the last three games, a decent amount of minutes, played a little bit of garbage before that, but he's at 4.75 points, 1.2 rebounds. Um, and it's just good to see him at least back in there a little bit, you know, coming up to, a, as I've said, a concern of mine, Olympic year. 
a lot of these guys are not playing that many minutes. So to see him back on the floor and feeling a flow, I think is, is very, very important uh, for the Boomers' chances. But good to see him back in there. Uh, Matisse Thibel's completely fallen wayside pro. I, I do not know what's going on. I know Portland suck and they're probably developing a lot of the young guys, but he's had his worst run in, in a long time. Two points, 0.6 rebounds, one assist, one steal over the last, you know, a little bit under a month. Um, we had a pretty good run there in, in, I think, November, December, but he's completely fallen off the wayside there. Uh, ben Simmons still out. No news to report there. Hopefully he's back soon. Brooklyn's playing okay. They've found some wins as of late. Josh Giddy, 10.8 points, 7.5 rebounds, 5.2 assists, 7 for 26 from three in that span. Starting to find himself a little bit, but still still the cap at him at around 20 minutes pro. They're not they're not playing um, him a lot of minutes like he, he was last season or early in the season. So it be interesting to see. Whether he's there long term, I think he's extension eligible in the off season. So, will be very very interesting to see where that all go- where that all goes. We've got the hiccups. Dwap Reith, eleven points, six point one rebounds, one point three assists, eight for twenty two from three. Playing really well. Um, Aiden, we'll get into a little bit later, but playing really well with the minutes that he's given and, and shooting the ball at a decent clip from three. Dyson Daniels still in and out of that lineup with Alvarado. Um, he's had some high-minute games. He had 38 minutes on the 13th, so McCullum, McCullum out or Alvarado. And, but his, his points, um, not not off off the chart, averaging you know three to four points a night, a 3.5, I think it is. Um, but where, where he does his damage, obviously, is at the defensive end for them. So he had a you know, seven-assist game on the 13th of January as well. But yeah, I think he's he's mainly in that lineup still, as we've said, um, to defend, and it's usually split between him and Alvarado. So he'll find more minutes as they have more injuries. But as of late, he's averaging about fifteen odd minutes a night. He's back in the rotation. When McCollum came back, he really saw his minutes kind of plummet to, you know, five to ten. But now he's back into that fifteen minute mark, you know, averaging roughly three, three and and two over that period. So hopefully he can continue that form. But I'm going to give it to Duop Reith. I'm going to give it to Dwight Reith. He's been playing well. Um, Josh Giddy probably a little hard done by, uh, considering they're winning and whatnot. But Dwight Reith's journey, where he's gone to Europe and trying to find his feet, and now he's actually solidified himself as as a really good backup big. And and you know it's going to be a dogfight between him and Jock Landau for that starting five spot. You know you're the head coach of the Boomers. Jock not playing a lot right now. Dwight playing a fair bit, shooting the ball well from three. It's going to be interesting to see how they start, or if they start both of them again. Um, I know they'll try. They'll, they'll going to potentially do that at one point, and then Jock got hurt. But that's uh, that's going to be interesting. But I'm going to need to do up Reith for his first ever Aussie of the Week, bro. Congratulations, man. He he's been playing well, dude. He I I didn't expect him to play great, um, to play you know to have this type of impact that he's having. I mean, shooting the ball well. Look, I think they're giving him a block of minutes and saying, "Hey, look, do do what you do, and 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 play through it. We're not going to be very good, so let's just go, you know, do your thing, you know, take your lumps, and then get better with it." And I think I think anybody could attest that you could do the same. Where if you have these types of minutes where you know you're going to get them, and you're going they're going to stick with you, and they sort of believe in you a little bit, that that it, it helps your confidence, helps your game. The guy plays hard, he screens hard. You know, he's developed his shot. He plays hard defensively. He rolls hard to the rim. You know, um, you know, he plays. He's a rugged kid. 
you know, I, I think it's a good fit for them and for him and Portland. And yeah, I mean, you know, much, uh, well-deserved, well-deserved. It is. It is. And, and that will segue into our useful or useless pro, um, DeAndre Aiden, potentially the first player in NBA history to be stuck in his own driveway and miss a game due to ice on the road, pro, versus Brooklyn. <laughs> I just, Give me a fucking break, man. I know. This, this, uh, Aiden, I mean, Reith's in the perfect spot because Aiden's just so unreliable, I think mentally too. Like he just seems like he's checked out. They're in a bad team. Um, went that way a little bit in Phoenix. And Duop's in a perfect situation backing him up because you just can't you can't rely on him at the minute. But I have not heard of I don't know if you have pro, but I've not heard of someone being iced into their own driveway. Surely there's a way out. You got to figure something out. Surely um, couldn't get to, couldn't get to his own home game. Pro useful useless folks. The guy <laughs> makes thirty two and a half million dollars a year. He could hire Seal Team Six to chopper in and fucking grab him. The guys who killed Bin Laden, he could have had them come in <laughs> with fucking choppers and lifted them up off his fucking driveway. All right. He's not a fucking, he's not a taxi driver making $7 an hour. He's not working as a fucking, he, he doesn't sell snow cones for a living where he's got to stay the fuck home. He makes $32 million a year as a professional athlete. And he stays home and tweets out a picture of him, like on his couch with his socks on, like with, like <laughs> tweeting a picture of the fucking snow, and said, "I tried." Like, Give me a fucking break. You got a guy. You got people with six fucking jobs just trying to stay in a shithole apartment, you know, in the fucking worst part of town. That they, they will go to. They, they would cut an arm off to get to work. And this fucking guy makes $32 million. They couldn't send some jerk off from the fucking intern department to pick him up in a fucking SUV. Come on, man. Give me a fucking break with this shit. Must have been super And he missed like 11 games in a row. I think he just missed like 11 games he was about to play that (laughs) night. And this is how much you want to play. I'm sorry, man. I've not heard of someone being snowed in their own driveway before. Um, I'm sure. Fuck that. I wonder if they sent sent someone out there to make sure that it was legit. I mean, but it's, yeah, I mean, pretty interesting. Pretty interesting, Mm. but just thought I'd add that. All right, useful useful stats. Here's one. Give me your. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, useful for sure of telling me that I don't never want him on my fucking roster ever. I don't care if I'm the Guangdong Dragons of the fucking Chinese league. I will not call him up. I will call a 63 year old dead man. I'll get a corpse and put him on my fucking roster before I get a guy that won't want to go out in the ice to come to an NBA game when he's making $32 million a year. Go ahead. Interesting. Uh, all right. So give me who if you had to guess today. Bottom three players in plus minus for the season, bro. Total. Oh fuck. Uh bottom three. Well, I'm probably gonna have to go with somebody from Detroit. Hold on. I, I'm not. I'm not looking up the stats. I'm just looking up Detroit's roster. So I'm just gonna see some starters from Detroit. Um. Okay. So I'm gonna go with Jaden Ivy. I don't know. I guess that. So that's one guy. Let me see. Give me some get gets uh Jordan Poole for sure. I'm gonna put on that. And then you said bottom three. So let me get somebody from San Antonio real quick. Um San Antonio Spurs. Let's go with Devin Vassell. I have no idea. I never even looked Close. this up. But go ahead. Uh Jordan Poole is the worst in the league at minus three hundred and thirty-eight as of today. Second yep. worst is his teammate, Kyle Kuzma. Minus. Uh, I was gonna say Kuzma. Minus three hundred and twenty-eight. 
Are there really balloons that just went fucking behind you? What's Trent doing, man? Uh, It's uh, maybe Zoom Zoom add-ons. Do we got a do we got a drug test trend or what? <laughs> I but don't know. Maybe it's something on Zoom on your screen. I was gonna say I was gonna say Kuzma. Go ahead. What's the third? Kuzma two and Jeremy Grant uh, minus two ninety eight. So I didn't have that one, uh, but I had. I definitely would have guessed one of the Wizards for sure, just because they suck. But they're you know all the fanfare around Detroit sucking so bad. Washington suck as well. They're really bad. And you watch their game, you're just like, oh my goodness. I watched. I like, watched them uh, last night against San Antonio. I, saw that. It, I, it I watched the fourth quarter, and I'm like, oh, it looks like they're going to wrap this one up. And they just found a way to lose. <laughs> it's just like they shit the bed on yeah, that one. Yeah, it's just crazy. So they, this will use with the SoCon with the Sochan three. They fucked and they free throws. You knocked down too. You knocked down some big free throws. Useful, Two. useless. Yeah, yo, useful for sure. I mean, I hate bus minus. Don't, I hate plus minus. It's the worst stat ever. But I gotta say that's for, that's pretty useful, to just to say that hey, you know. Uh, well, these are all plus me minus on the court. this week, pro. So you deal with it. All right, and and just just to wrap that up, I'll we don't have to use all useful this, but I'll give you the top three in the league as of today. Who will your top three be for plus minus, pro? Give me give me your th- top three guesses. White from Boston. Um. White from Boston. Give me. Anthony Edwards and give me. Uh, I wouldn't say Josh. Give, give me someone from Oklahoma City, maybe. No, no, no. Give me uh, Jokic. Yeah, for third. Pretty good, actually. Derek White, number one, three hundred sixty-two. Jokic is three, yep. three hundred thirty-one. Number two is Maxi at three forty-one, which is impressive because Embiid's missed a lot of games. Hmm. So the fact that he's still kept his team competitive. And playing well, I feel they've won a fair few games without Embiid, mind you. Um, pretty impressive. So, all right, last one. OG in New York, plus 173 in his first 10 games as a Nick. This comes via Trent. Um, it's the highest in NBA history through his first 10 with a team, pro. Useful, useless. Useful. Useful. Why not? I, even though I hate the fucking stat, but um, and yeah, I'm a little impressive. jealous that I don't have balloons on my screen, but go ahead. Yep. I say we don't know what you're talking about. That might be some of the, some of the, you know, <laughs> uh, non 18 and under websites you were on before you joined this uh, this podcast, pro, that are prohibited. Good point. Um, but 173 in 10 games is a nick, and Dibs is running that man in the ground already. He's playing 45 minutes a night. There's no rest for the oh, weekend yeah. for Anobi, but uh, that's pretty impressive. It's hard to do, and he was. I think we both spoke about it when the trade happened. He was a piece that just fits in so well for that team. Perimeter guy that's going to guard, uh, does the little things for him. Can knock down the three, gotten better in that aspect, but I think just a great, great pickup for the New York Knicks. Uh, even though they got rid of some young talent to get him, I think it was a perfect fit. Such a Thibs, Thibs player, in my opinion, so very useful. All right, NBL, Pro, uh, what a pride-filled round it was this week, uh, Pro. It was uh, it was uh, the rainbow round here, Pro. I'm not sure if you're familiar, so a lot of rainbows floating around um, for pride round. Uh which was interesting in itself, but United fall, fall in Tassie, in Tasmania, Perth go 2-0, easily handling of Brisbane, followed by a very good road win versus Sydney Kings. So the Sydney Kings go down um, to Perth at home, close game, but uh, pretty pretty sloppy in, in patches, high-scoring game. Illawarra dropped two, which is probably two big, big losses. They lose on the buzzer to Cairns uh, at home. And then go down to Adelaide. Adelaide go 2-0 to get off the bottom of the ladder, which was good. Southeast Melbourne, Phoenix, 
do not look great. They do have the Sydney Kings this week, which will be an interesting matchup down in Melbourne, but they, they are at the bottom of the ladder now. Brisbane get Cairns last night. Um, pretty, it's, it's, it's been, I know I talk about it every week, but it's been a, a phenomenal year as far as a lot of ch- moving and changing. You know, Adelaide now, you know, they fire their coach a month or two ago. They're off the bottom of the ladder and in some decent form. Um, you look at, you know, how much three to basically, basically eight or nine is changing on a weekly basis is insane. I think Melbourne and Perth, we can tick the box with them and say they've wrapped up those two spots. Only six games remaining for both those guys, unless they absolutely implode. I don't see them falling out of those two spots. I think they've wrapped them up, which solidifies them to the semifinals. And the playing games just continue to change. Brisbane has now moved into fourth, Tasmania in third, Sydney in fifth, Cairns in sixth. New Zealand are charging up from the bottom and have a bunch of games in hand. Uh, Illawarra found some form, but now they've kind of lost two in a row. So it's been really fun to watch, Pro, and, and a really close season. It's what you want. So it'll be interesting to see how it all finishes up. Um, some more, I think three more, three, three to four more rounds left. But uh, on top of that, um, we have some pretty – so. 40 Ford uh, in uh, in Cairns gave a pretty good pretty good soundbite that I'll, hopefully you can understand the accent pro, but just talking about the inconsistency from the officials, but he decided to, to take it into a, a tact of using sarcasm. So it somewhat will prevent, I believe, a, uh, <laughs> a fine. I like, I like Adam Ford's form in this one. He was just talking about um, David Stevenson who's, who's taken over – you know, as part of the NBLs, overseeing the officiating and fines and all that kind of stuff. And here's here's the clip for you, Pro. Let me know if you like this this way of doing business. Uh, 32 free throws for the Hawks, uh, 11 for you. You mentioned the officiating. I don't want you to get into hot water, but what part of it frustrated you the most? No, it, they've been fantastic. So since David's been on the job for six months and, you know, put out the zero tolerance, it's fixed everything. So it's nothing to do with the officials, it's everybody else. It's everybody else has to adjust. And so, you know, you, you look at the defensive ratings of teams this year, and they're up. Why? Why was there such a, an aggressive change from last year where, um, by comparison as it stands right now, uh, Melbourne United have the healthiest defensive rating, but last year they were ranking about fourth. So what's changed? And it's not the officiating, because David's done a fantastic job of stamping out any type of critical feedback and accountability in that regards. So, you know, we've got to do a better job of um, getting even more thinner over those screens. We've got to do a better job of verticality to the point where maybe you can collapse your chest a little bit to absorb a little bit more of the contact. Maybe we can do a better job of, I don't know, like allowing second chance points because you're not allowed to compete for the rebound. I don't know. We'll figure it out. But... You know, we gave up 46 foul shots against Adelaide, and we won. And tonight we gave up, I don't know, 20 foul shots in the fourth, and we won. So just keep throwing these things at us, and it's only going to make us a little bit more ticked off about it. Good way of going about it, in my opinion. Uh, I don't think the league can find him for that, I don't believe. Um, but he's basically put it on that... Uh, the officials can do no wrong, and it's up to us to always adjust, bro. Of course. Of course. Why, why wouldn't we? Why wouldn't we? No, I think it was, hey, look, sarcasm is great. It's better than, like, you know, it's better than motherfucking them and screaming and swearing and getting all upset about it. You know, 
what are you gonna do? You can't. You're not gonna change shit. So we might as well just have a little fun with it. I thought it was pretty cool. I thought it was fun. Yeah, zero tolerance. I also like the part where when you go on vertical, we need to further cave our chest away yeah. from the cave our chest. <laughs> yeah, uh, really, really good stuff. Yeah. And just finally, pro, I'm gonna I'm gonna put your league. You probably haven't followed what what has transpired, so I, I hope you haven't because it's gonna be it's a loaded question. But you're you're the commissioner of a of a of the of a sporting league, pro. And you've got one athlete who uh, has tweeted, there was a photo of a rainbow flag that said, um, what are your thoughts when you see this flag? And an athlete in your league pro has, has tweeted saying, mental illness, mental illness, that's all it said, right? And you've got an athlete that got caught drunk driving pro um, in your league. Which which one do you think receives a harsher penalty? I would assume that the the drunk driver uh the the drunk driver had that had to i mean the guy literally broke a rule so i'm i haven't followed it at all but i'm gonna say that the drunk driver got a stiffer penalty you'd be wrong in the case of the nbl pro um so Corey webster infamously put that tweet out about a three months ago right in the nbl preseason Swiftly handled pro within within 24 hours, received a one-game suspension and a one-game suspended, I believe. Very, notably, swiftly handled within within a day or two. Um, Gary Clark from the Laura Hawks pulled over for drunk driving, was over the limit. Took them about, I think, seven to ten days to come with a, a resolution which was just a fine and a suspended sentence does not miss any games. Now, the NBL is going to put this on Basketball Australia because they've passed all the integrity-type stuff away to basketball, for Basketball Australia to adjudicate and put down penalties, so they're going to pass the buck. But someone needs to be held accountable for that. Absolutely ridiculous. Someone's opinion, um, and I'm a free speech absolutist, I think there shouldn't have been a suspension, I think there is personal thoughts and views, so be it, whether right or wrong, whether this or that, okay? But he was suspended. You've got someone literally drink driving, which is a criminal conviction. You're convicted of drug. It could have killed somebody, could have crashed, could have caused property damage, could have hurt someone. No, that, that's fine in our league. Just don't don't put out tweets that are politically incorrect. That That, to me, is just the very reason why I speak out on all this shit because it's it's the work mind virus has just completely baffled people's brains that you can actually warrant not suspending someone driving under the influence but a tweet can get you suspended is just just thought I put it out there and, and for context pro I had no idea I was going to ask this this was not prepped we don't do that we don't do all that bullshit while we're prepping each other I think most people with you know, a pretty steady brain would agree that drunk driving is a much more severe thing and more punishable offence than putting out a tweet that you know, some people would say is politically incorrect and some people would say, well, that's his opinion, don't agree with it, we move on, but to get suspended for that and not for drunk driving. Just thought I'd note that, Pro, that's that's the life in the NBL right now. They have, they have a lot to answer for, their tribunals, the, going back to the Aaron Baines thing, going back to, to – people getting away with throwing punches. It is literally a lottery when you go to the um the tribunal within basketball in Australia where you might you might you might you might get pay, you might get a bonus these days for doing something wrong. You might they might pay you. That's you just don't know. It's it's literally a lottery where you pick a number and a result comes and you gotta live with that. 
because of the appeals process is is somewhat not great neither from from what I understand, but just thought I'd put that out there. Fact or fake news, pro? I've got one for you this week. Fact or fake news, pro? The Miami Heat um, giving Spo his extension after his divorce was settled was one of the biggest gangster moves in NBA history, pro. $120-plus million over eight years, pro. Fact or fake news? thousand percent. thousand percent it was. That's amazing. But think about it, though. The guy's been in the organization 26 years. That He's won championships. Those guys have been through wars together. Of course he's going to take care of him with it. But on the other note, like the wife did get taken care of from the money he made before, yes, I'm sure. So of course, but still, it's, not it's like, such a gangster move. Like, it is a gangster move. It is a gangster move. That would have been discussing this probably that, for you know, 12, 24 months. And just hit pause yeah. on that shit, and and you, I respect yeah. it. Like you said, he's been he's been a loyal soldier for them. There's a mutual respect. You love to see that kind of stuff, and saved him a f- shitload of money, which is great to see. I mean, what like if if she wasn't the CEO of a company that she'd worked for for thirty years, and they knew she was going through a divorce, they wouldn't have done the same thing. I mean, it is what it is. It's just you know, it's good you, business. You're taking care like of a friend, gangster I got, move. I got no problem. Well done, Miami. I got no problem with that. Yeah. Like I said, it's not like she was starving in the streets, you know, with a cup. She she made plenty of I'm sure she got taken care of with the whole thing, but no that's a gangster move. Gangster yep. move. Fact. What do you got? Folks, fact or fake news. All right. I'm gonna give you I'll give you my answer. I'll give you all the evidence, give you my answer, and then you tell me what. DeAndre Ayton, Bruce Brown. Okay. Showing up for their games. Bruce Brown gets traded on a Wednesday. Noontime. Traded on a Wednesday. He's in Sacramento. He flies back. He's got a game on Thursday in Toronto against Chicago. He flies back to Indiana. Takes a flight. You know, takes a flight from Sacramento to get back to Indiana. Gets his stuff together. Flies to Toronto. Thursday has the has medical. Plays that night. Twenty five minutes, fifteen point seven rebounds. DeAndre Ayton, snowing out, looks outside, scratches his balls and says "eh," and goes back to bed. <laughs> DeAndre, uh, DeAndre Ayton worked harder to get on the court that day than fucking Bruce Brown. And Bruce Brown lost three hours, Bogues, with traveling from and Sacramento to Toronto. And I assume it would have been commercial. It wouldn't have been, uh, do you think it would have been chartered? No, commercial. For sure it's commercial. Yeah, yeah. Fact or fake news, DeAndre Ayton worked harder to get on the court than Bruce Brown that night. A sarcastic fake news, of course. Um, that is a very, very good dig up by you with, with Bruce Brown. I didn't catch that one, but that's very impressive actually. Because uh, I think you get 48 yeah. hours to report, right? Yeah. At time of trade, right. you get 48 hours, so you can actually take a day off, chill out, pack your shit, hang with your family. Dude. He was like, no, nah, I'm getting there. That's commendable. And, um, and Aiden. <laughs> Aiden. And you know that medical's a bitch. I remember when I was in Boston, Bogues, we traded for Rafe friends. We traded Angela Walker for Rafe friends. I picked up Rafe friends at the airport at about, I don't know, noontime. We were in the, ho- we were in the doctor's office in hospitals all fucking day. 
We didn't get back to get x-rays and stuff done probably for like seven hours. It was an ordeal. And this guy fucking flies, does the medical, plays 25 minutes to a team he knows nothing about and scores 15 and 7. The other guy scratches his balls, takes a sip of tea and says, eh. Did you really post a selfie? Did you really post a photo though? I didn't see that. So I listened religiously to uh, Sirius Radio with Frank Isola and Brian Scalarini. And they were fucking, they were, they're all in a tomfoolery in that show. And they literally said, he tweeted out, like, I think, <laughs> I didn't check the, I didn't check the post and Trent probably can do it. But literally, I, I'm, I'm imagining like he's on the couch, his feet are like in front of his camera and then behind his feet, in front of his Slow. feet is like the snowy outside. And he goes, I tried or something like that. Now, maybe it would, they were just adding to it and they were bullshitting, but I mean, you sure this they, wasn't the same had, friend that sent you the Woj tweet? No, no, no. That wasn't my <laughs> friend. My friend that fucked me on the Woj thing is going to, um, he will be he's named nameless, but he's going to pay for this one because it's like the fifth time. I'm tired of it. He, he's <laughs> cried wolf too many times. I ain't doing it no more. But no, they said they tweeted it out. Now, hold on. Let me see. You find anything? Let me, Trent? Just, let me see. Trent, find anything? Not nothing DeAndre, on his personal Twitter. I can't see anything. He Aiton, hasn't tweeted anything since like 2021. Social Insta maybe? media. Hold on. I might tried. Be, it might be his Insta. Hold on. We got to find this. Tried. Could be Insta. It could be an Instagram. Uh, no, maybe we can't trust. We can't trust Sirius Radio with uh, Solar and Scal anymore, bro. Maybe yeah, they were supposed to have breakfast. I supposed to have breakfast with Scal tomorrow. I, I but they would, uh, dude. I I gotta think it's true. I'm, I'm gonna think it's true. Uh, hold on, hold on, hold on. DeAndre. Yeah, I can't find anything here. Sorry. Bro. Oh my yeah. god, bro. Two, oh for no. Two. Oh for two. I don't care. I'm still I'm still keeping the fact of fake news, and that's a great story. That's way better than a marijuana story, by the way. Twisting, uh, missing the game. Ice tweet. Hold on. <laughs> if Trent oh, didn't find no, it, you're no. not finding it, bro. So just just put your phone. No, down. you're right. You're but right. Yeah, make I'm sure telling you, you, I I believe it. He probably deleted it. I'm telling <laughs> you that I don't think they would lie about something like that. But maybe they will. I don't bring know. it up for breakfast, and then also bring up um, the when when Scalabrini got um, was the first NBA assistant coach to get sent down to the G League from Mark Jackson, and say Bogue told me to bring that story up for you at breakfast and t- tell the Red Mamba I say hello and to to reminisce about his good old times and that when he walked in the training room and said, "Hey Bogues, I'm out." I said, "Where are you going?" He goes, "They sent me to the G League." I was like, "What?" I did all-time hear about that story, story Bogues. All time best story. I'm getting treatment in the training room. And he just got in an f- argument with Mark Jackson the night before the get the night before during halftime of our game in the film room, and then Scout would always come to practice. Like he'd always come to practice. Say we practiced it at ten thirty. He'd be on the court at nine, and if no, there was no one to work out, he'd just be shooting by himself. Right? He'd be shooting. Around. Yeah. And they came and got him off the court, and they said, "Yeah, like we they couldn't fire him because he was boys with, with Bob Myers. They didn't want that all to go down that way. So they're like, what can we do?" <laughs> he came out and he goes, "All right, guys." I'm down. I'm going to Santa Cruz. I got. I got. I got. I got Santa. I was like, "What? Are you joking?" He's like, "No, no, no." I got. I got. They've told me to go down to the G League, so I'm just going to go down there and finish my contract there. I was like, "What the fuck is going on, dude?" The stories I heard. Oh, he's got some great ones. I wish he'd go into more. The stories I heard about that. We we need to get him on the show. By the way, yeah, talk to him tomorrow. Set it up then. Do some work for once. Yeah, get him on the show, and I'll just grill him about that time, folks. I mean, first of all. 
I, I mean, obviously, I want everybody to listen to our show, but that show is hilarious because Isola, all he does is like go at guys and they jokingly go at, but they do have a lot of good information. But Scal is funny with that stuff. But dude, the stories I heard out of that Golden State Mark Jackson last year about like Clay Thompson shouting out shouting out Darren Ehrman for helping him with his defense. And then from what I heard, Darren Ehrman got like got his job threatened by if, if another other if another player ever, you know, either mentions you in a press conference. Instead of saying putting his armor on him like, dude, you do a great job. Like imagine a player like telling telling the press how good of a job you did with him that really helps our team. Like, great job, Darren. No. I'm gonna go with if you mention the name again, you're fucking fired. I mean, come on, man. Like, it was. The, it was I mean, the, that's one of eight thousand. It was the young and the restless every day in that in that thing, man. It was. It was so funny. Like, there was always so much shenanigans and shit going on, and then like, oh, that co- that, that assistant now rebounding for that guy. Oh, he, what's he doing? Like, everything was over. He was yeah. like, what? He's just rebounding for him because there's no there's no political game. Like, oh no, he's trying to he's but trying both. to get me to get get fired if he goes to management, and then he sides with that guy. I'm just like, oh my god, that's man. the it NBA, was, folks. People don't understand when I tell stories like this about people being jealous over one assistant working with this player. This oh, assistant fact. works with this player. It, I. I heard there was a player, there was a guy that, a young guy that worked in the league at the time. uh, He worked for a West Coast team and he had a guy on his staff, ex-player, that had a quote-unquote an arthritic hip that he never really worked with players. There was a really good young player that the the press was like all over loving, right? When the press came in for the last 20 minutes of practice, they said the guy went from arthritic hip (laughs) to Hussein Bolt sprinting across the practice gym to pass the ball and uh, pass the ball to this player. I mean, the fucking shenanigans that goes on with this bullshit, like it's he's my guy, he's my guy, taking credit and don't want credit to be given to anybody is fucking phenomenal. They could write a book about that thing about because it happens in almost every team. The politics of that bullshit, but like the Mark Jackson stuff, not that was next not level. It was, guys, it was on steroids. Every day was like there was can't a drop. Talk to the front office. There was literally I mean, a drop. Like he banned Jerry West from practice, bro. Like, yeah, we, we banned yeah. Jerry West. He was the advisor for the Warriors at the time. He, they banned him from because they said he was a snitch. <laughs> He's snitching though. <laughs> they banned him from the facility. It's just like what Jerry West. He was livid, man. I saw him a few times after, and you know Jerry is every every second words and f bomb. Like, These motherfuckers, what the fuck? <laughs> oh, but yeah, oh bring, bring it up God. to Scal. I'm sure he'll smile about when he got when he got uh, sent down. First first coach, useful or useless, or fact or fake news. First coach in NBA oh, history. Dude, I, think to go I, to I got screwed, man. I yeah, I don't see this fucking post anywhere. I'm gonna fucking I'm gonna give him shit tomorrow if I see him. That's yeah, we're, bullshit. We're gonna start fact checking everything you're saying, community. It's a note. great story, though. Imagine. It sounds great. You see, now that I think about it, he, he can't even be that stupid and post something <laughs> like that. Like people, you know, people are gonna be at your throat about it. You're not gonna post. Uh, yeah, in my ten million dollars. I think they're probably like, saying it facetiously, like like he's probably sitting. Yeah. There, you know what I mean? Fuck. And pro took the bait. Anyway, that wraps my up bad. another episode. Appreciate it, pro. We'll see you in two weeks. Um, make sure you give this all a share and get more people listening to the pod. See you next week. Later, guys.